This is the 57 Catch-Up Podcast, and it's your boy Dre, and today's topic is, is black excellence the same as white acquisition? In my opinion, I would have to say yes to some degree and no to some degree, and here's why. My thing is that oftentimes when black people are in white spaces, they have to assimilate or, or they feel like they have to be more whitewashed in terms of like code switching, practicing respectability politics, um, being a little bit more um, docile, more submissive in a way, um, a little bit more uptight and just kind of, um, I let's, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like a little bit more um, pretentious in a lot of ways. And my thing is that I understand that there's a struggle navigating that space because it's like when you are around people that don't share your same experience as a black person and don't share your same lineage you tend to you know go with whatever is in front of you like in terms of like trying to be like them and i want to kind of like make something clear just because you sound articulate doesn't mean you have to sound white you know people equate articulation of words with sounding white um i consider myself to be very articulate but i know i don't sound white you know i don't have to sound white just because i'm articulate but oftentimes i feel like a lot of black people feel like they have to kind of change the tone or the tone of their voice in order in order to get in white people's good graces whether it be a phone call whether it be like uh in corporate america whether it be in their own neighborhoods you know you know it just it's a whole list of things that i feel like a bunch of successful black people go through in terms of navigating that space um the no part because i would say that there are plenty of black people that graduated from hbcus and they have gotten the black experience within the college frame especially within black predominantly black colleges um i think that the ones that try to assimilate to whiteness more are usually the ones that graduated from PWIs. Uh, the ones that graduated from PWIs like Harvard, Yale, uh, Princeton, and things of that sort are oftentimes the ones that, to me, seems like they're very uh, pretentious or seem like they're very kind of like fake in a lot of ways. And they tend to just uh, kind of lose themselves by trying to get in white people's good graces and i feel like there's a way to balance out those two things it's like i know that when you level up as a black person financially you're not going to be around a lot of your people you're going to be in neighborhoods where it's going to be whether whether it be mixed or maybe almost all the way white and it can be very 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 um nerve-wracking trying to figure out like where do i fit in where do i fit in within this neighborhood or where do I fit in within this, uh, you know, corporate sphere or within just the workplace in general, just in other words, like many different spaces. Right. Um, I know that W.E.B. Du Bois came up with uh, the phrase, uh, the talented 10th, I guess, talking about like the black edu uh, college educated um, people or whatnot, you know, providing leadership for the black American community during the post reconstruction era that that seems good and all. But my thing is that 
I feel like there is a way to include black scholars within the black community without them trying to get in white people's good graces. So it's like we need more black scholars to educate the community. We need more to lead the community in a better direction with their expertise. You know, um, you know, right now it's a lot of black people um, that are running movements, whether it be online or offline, uh, that educates, you know, that educate, I'm sorry, uh, their community by telling them about what's going on politically. How do we move forward with uh, our black politics? You know, how do we make, how do we kind of sculpt things in our favor? Uh, you know, of course, there's a lot of talk about reparations. It's a lot of talk about a black agenda, which is very great. You know, um, it's just that, you know, when, in other words, I feel like the black experience, the black American experience, especially when it comes to being educated and coming from like the suburbs, it can be difficult to figure out, like, am I black enough or am I trying to be like an Oreo? Which is I know that's a that's kind of a slur in a way, you know, to say that, oh, you're you're black on the outside, but you're white on the inside, you know. Um, so, of course, of course, we got some Oreos out there. And they sound like they're Oreos. My thing is that there's a way that you can, like I said, reach out to the people and not have to, um, you know, be whitewashed. Um, you don't have to change the tone of your, tone of your voice to kind of do this thing of thinking like this is what it is going to like, you know, get me further further in life is just by trying to put on this kind of white vernacular. That's not. I mean. Regardless, if you try to put on this white vernacular as far as like, you know, hi, how are you guys? Hey, hey, everybody. You know, you don't have to do all of that. You know, you don't have to say, yeah, you guys, let's go skating today. We don't have to, you don't have to do none of that. <laughs> I don't know why so many feel like they have to do that. You know, you don't have to sound like a valley guy or a valley woman or whatnot to, you know, <laughs> to be intelligent. But even just aside from like talking in a very articulate way, even just the way some of them dress, some of them might dress just like them, too, um, which is kind of crazy, um, because I feel like when you assimilate to other races of people that don't share your same lineage, skin color and um, in experience and experience, I mean, um, then you tend to. Um, you know, try to, you know, in other words, like your identity tends to be lost in a lot of ways. I mean, we need some diversity. You know, I thought that this country was all about diversity. I mean, of course, this country is not pro-diversity, even though it is a very diverse country. Everybody's not equal here. We are. Obviously, we know that because oftentimes, as I stated before, you're going to be more likely to assimilate to whiteness whether you're black, Asian, uh, Hispanic, you know, uh, I guess a Hispanic of color because you got white Hispanics. So, you know, you have to break that down a little bit more. And Middle Eastern people, just anybody that is of color, they are going to assimilate no matter what. You know, that's just the American way. When people think of Americans, they think of white people. They don't, they don't think of like other minority groups that make up America or that even built America. They are thinking of the dominant society in terms of the population based on the numbers 
because this country lives by the majority rules. So whatever the majority is in terms of the population, that's what people are going to gravitate towards in terms of wanting to be just like them. Uh, but we also that's not to say that, you know, educated black people don't have their own identity, because as I stated before, the HBC, the HBCU life um, is very, you know, uh, I guess you could say very pro-black, very pro-black American. You know, it, it's, it opens that door of saying like, OK, we can be educated, but we can also be in tune with our blackness and with our experience of being black. So that that can, you know, be kind of like the common denominator uh, by kind of having the best of both worlds. Um, my thing is that um, I am not willing to lose myself completely if I, you know, were to be in a white neighborhood, you know, because I'm still going to be me no matter what. Um, you should never try to be less authentic just to, you know, impress white people at all or anybody in, uh, of that sort. Or it's, it's, you know, it's just a lot that you have to really kind of look into um, because I feel like as long as you get your point across as a black person, that's all that matters, no matter how you say it. You know, just be unapologetically you, you know, I think oftentimes black certain black people who are tokenized Negroes in the tokenized safe Negroes, to be exact. They oftentimes feel like they have to apologize for their blackness. They have to apologize for this and apologize for that. You cannot apologize from where you come from. You can't apologize for like who you are completely. So that um, I, I would have you know, made another episode about like is code switching, uh, being less authentic, like, you know, or adapt is adaptability being less authentic. But I want to kind of tie this into, you know, this episode because I feel like it kind of matters in this way or it, it kind of relates to what I'm saying. Um, is code switching or, uh, or adaptability a form of being like less authentic or is it a way to like water yourself down? I would say both yes and no. Assimilation or code switching to me, I would say if it's done in a way where you're trying to be just like that other race, yes, it is watering yourself down. But if it's in the way where it's like you articulate yourself and you try to present yourself in a more professional way, then no. Because of course, I think you're going to have to code switch at some point, especially when you're in the corporate world or when you're just in the workplace, because, of course, you want to be you want to be more professional. You don't want to, you know, just be, you know, too all over the place or too outlandish with how you are. You want to kind of like know that, like, OK, well, I can be professional, but at the same time, I can also be black and, you know, be myself in that space as well. Um, it's just sometimes hard to do both, but it can be done. It can really be done. Um, my thing being in terms of this whole black excellence, I noticed that black excellence is always kind of seen as like exceptionalism. Like is this black exceptionalism where it's like, it's only very few black people that can make it because I think for so long, we've been so used to black people not being able to be successful that we tend to call it black excellence. It's like you don't have other races of people talking about Hispanic excellence, 
Asian excellence, white excellence is like we're the only group that talks about excellence because I think what it is is that since we have to beat more odds than all the other races and, and ethnicities, we tend to kind of stamp a label on it. I'm like, black excellence doesn't have to be black exceptionalism. Black excellence can be a better community. That's what it can be. It can it can look like um, a community with resources, a community that or just people within the community that are basically in the promised land, you know, um, and being able to access American life, I guess, access the quote unquote American dream that can be, you know, black excellence. And I'm talking about the collective, not just very few black people that are sprinkled in with PhDs or with um, the celebrity status or whatnot. You know, we only to me, I feel like in America, when we say black excellence, we always are kind of like going towards the black celebrities, the um, just the black scholars and the uh, and then maybe like a few other black people that are successful. It's like we need to kind of like end the whole notion that those are the only black people that can be excellent, because I feel like any black person can be excellent no matter like what you are good at, you know, um, but but of course we know that is a hierarchy in a lot of ways, you know, you got some elite ones and then you got the ones that are living on the bottom. But it's like, I feel like when it comes to that black excellence thing, excellence thing is like they're excluding a lot of black people out of that equation. Um, you know, excellence is very subjective. You know, what I find excellent, you might not find excellent. Um, excellence, I feel like, is all about being proficient in what you do, no matter what your occupation is. But I know that, you know, you're judged by your occupation in America. You're judged by, like, what degrees you have. You're judged by how much money you have. You're judged by, you know, how well you can speak in front of white people, how well you can do this, how well you can do that. So I'm like, I don't agree with the whole measuring excellence through the eyes of, like, the white gaze. You know, it's like you're looking at everything through the white lens, uh, which is very problematic. Um, you know, they are not the proponents of success. You know, of course, they have been made to be the people that are seen as the pillar of success, but they're not the only people that uh, are the pillars of success and stuff like that. They just trick people into believing that but a lot of the wealth that they have is obviously ill-gotten they got a lot of ill-gotten wealth but people tend to just think that well success means whiteness because everything has been kind of like designed that way but my thing is that excellence can be beyond race it can be beyond gender it can be beyond class and all of these other things um i don't want to ever feel like um we have to do Code switching in the in terms of um, trying to, like I said, be just like them in order to just, you know, have a to have a certain legacy to pass down or, or what I'm trying to say is that, you know, I don't want to feel like the legacy of successful black people have to be in the through a white lens is what I'm trying to say. That's exactly what I'm trying to kind of like iterate right now um, is we shouldn't have to you know look at it from that perspective it's like 
we always are so quick to get so quick to like beg for white acceptance like oh if i do this oh i don't want to see uh, i don't want white people to see that we are arguing i don't want to see that white uh uh that white people are perceiving us this way and that way either way it doesn't matter how successful you are they're going to perceive you the way they're going to perceive you no matter what so i think a lot of times successful black successful black people who got phds and who uh have like top tier type of positions that the average black person doesn't have they tend to worry too much about what white people think that's the problem is that they worry way too much about what they think instead of worrying about like what they need to be doing you know themselves um because the thing is is that i know that a lot of white people own those uh companies they own the companies you work for they own most of the industries that people work in um and that's the problem you know it's like when are we going to stop trying to assimilate to whiteness and start to kind of have our own identity because our identity in the success realm of things shouldn't be through how they perceive things you know or how in terms of what success is you know and that's the that's why i feel like we go wrong uh because we don't tend to look at things in a more in a more nuanced way when it comes to success in in the black community because to me success in the black community as i stated before it looks like the collective of us like being able to be stable that's what i feel like black excellence and just kind of like the whole scope of being successful looks like because the whole notion of like the crabs in the barrel mentality uh my thoughts on that is that um the crabs in a barrel mentality to me it doesn't really exist because crabs are not meant to be in a barrel crabs are meant to you know be free in the ocean to just wander in the ocean and just be free the barrel represents um bondage a lot of black people tend to think oh well it's crabs in a barrel this and crabs in a barrel that i'm like we shouldn't be in a barrel we shouldn't even be in a bucket or just anything that puts us in bondage so the fact that we're trying to you know step on each other's toes to get to the top is an example of assimilating to whiteness you should never have to step on your brothers and sisters toes in order to reach the top you should always lift each other up in order to become successful as a collective so if you're not willing to do that to me you're just uh, um one of those negroes that want to get white approval and you see that a lot online. You see that a lot online with um, the divesters and the swirlers, like they really are begging for white approval. You see a lot of that in uh, certain black male spaces where they're trying to get white approval from white women and even white men too. So it's like, it's, a, it's an epidemic online and even offline of black people trying to get white acceptance. It's like this thirst, like it's like they're very thirsty for that acceptance. And I'm just saying that they look ridiculous. They look it, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to see my own people beg so hard for white approval. It really is. It, it really sickens me to see that because it's like we can do so much more in the community besides trying to beg for white approval. I know that a lot of things are run by white people in this country. I get it. But we should really cut ties with that mentality of white approval we really should um i see that oftentimes like i said in various black spaces and even in pro-black spaces i see this underhanded um 
a sense of of wanting to belong in 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 white spaces i guess yeah you can say and i just feel like it's really 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 not solving anything it's not solving anything by trying to be just like them my thing is that i think once we start getting our justice claims such as reparations and all of that which can be in many different ways not just only cash payments but just having you know the protection of our group uh to finally be an ownership group ownership group um we can finally kind of move forward because i think since we are more of a consumer group and more marginalized group we tend to think that well we can't do anything beyond that and i feel like it needs to change it needs to, we need to have room to change that um that whole ideology of thinking that we have to just kind of be in that uh vein of white approval by thinking that okay we have to you know be just like them and we have to throw each other under the bus in order to get white approval because i see that oftentimes um on social media i see the whole back and forth uh between you know black men and black women or even between two black uh, between black men and between black women as well where you see this whole thing of them really trying to rip each other a new one in order to really get you know accepted and to get you know um that type of like uh I guess you can say well i guess you say acceptance i know i use that word a lot or i've used that word a lot in this uh podcast episode but yeah it's like it's too much of that it's too much of like anti-blackness in order to reach the top so success in the black community shouldn't have to be anti-black it shouldn't have to be a thing of you being anti-black in order to be successful and i see that a lot of times and i, I just wanted to bring awareness to that because you see that so many in so many so many spaces and you see that so much you know around you um so yeah i mean it's crazy but that's just the reality of how i think a lot of black people see their success um the acquiring thing um i mean i've known some black people who lived in white neighborhoods and you know like i said some of them do act like what I was just saying before, like practicing respectability politics. I mean, you see like people like Bill Cosby, you know, telling, well, you know, black men need to pull their pants up. And I don't disagree with, you know, the whole notion of black men pulling their pants up, pants up more and, and stop. And, you know, and the whole thing of like not sagging. But even if black men pull their pants up, it's still not going to change the fact that they're going to be seen the same way. Um, so all of this stuff about changing the way you dress or changing the way that you present yourself to white people to kind of get that approval to me it's not going to change anything because they still know that your lineage is going to be the same uh regardless they they still know that your experience is going to be the same regardless i mean you can be in suits right now you can be in a suit right now um looking like steve harvey with the bow tie and uh and still be seen as a as a naker, <laughs> uh, you know, I know that's the word people use to, you know, to, to clean it up. But you you get what I'm saying. Uh, you can dress in, in in suits with bow ties like Steve Harvey or you can, you know, um, dress in just suits in general. And like I said, still be labeled the same way. It's not going to change anything in terms of the way you're perceived. You know, and I just think we just got to get out of that. Oh, I I'm thinking too much about what they think. We got to get out of that. We really got to get out of the whole thing of trying to beg so hard for for that, because 
it's not it's not really going to do anything for you. It really it really is not. Um, and I, I noticed that a lot of those uh, black immigrants, they tend to assimilate way more than black Americans. I mean, you got a few black Americans that are willing to assimilate, but you got quite a few like Caribbean black people, African black people and things of that sort that are really desperate for white attention or desperate for, um, of course, white approval. So I guess I can pretty much wrap this episode up. Um, I, ha I said what I had to say. Um, all right. See you next time. I'm out of here.